This is AutoLine Daily reporting on all aspects of the global automotive industry. Tesla unveiled its electric pickup last night, what it calls the Cybertruck, and all we can say is wow. It's unlike anything we've seen in a long time. Its origami styling of flat surfaces and hard brakes may have more to do with reducing tooling cost. We'll have more to say about that in a minute, but first, some specs. There will be three different propulsion offerings. A single motor, rear drive, a dual motor, all-wheel drive, and a tri-motor all-wheel drive that we guess will provide torque vectoring at the rear wheels. Elon Musk says the fastest version of the truck, the tri-motor, will accelerate from 0 to 60 miles an hour in a blindingly fast 2.9 seconds. It will deliver 500 miles of driving range, carry 3,500 pounds of payload, and tow a 14,000-pound trailer. The other versions have less range in towing and carrying capacity and are not as quick, but are all still impressive nonetheless. You can click on the headline link in today's transcript or the description box below to get those details. The interior design is similar to other Teslas with flat, minimalist surfaces and long horizontal lines. A 17-inch screen dominates the dashboard. Thanks to no driveshaft hump in the floor, the layout comfortably provides seating for six people. The bed offers 100 cubic feet of lockable storage space and it has a telescoping ramp built into the tailgate that allows you to drive a motorcycle or ATV right up into it. In fact, Tesla also unveiled an electric ATV it calls the Cyberquad. The pickup comes standard with an air suspension that can be lowered to make it easier to load up the bed. Tesla also showed a camping version with a pop-up tent and a stove that swings out from the bed. But what really makes this truck stand out is the way it looks. The Class A surfaces are made from cold-rolled stainless steel. And note that they are completely flat. The hood, the roof, the sides, and the tailgate are completely flat. Note that the wheel wells feature straight lines with hard brakes. Even the windshield and side glass is flat. There are no compound curves no reverse dihedrals, and no rounded surfaces. Besides creating a unique look, we think Tesla is doing this to hold down tooling cost. The exterior panels all look like they could be fabricated, not stamped. And even if they are stamped, they look like they could be done with one set of dies per panel instead of the four sets of dies it typically takes. That could save tens of millions of dollars in tooling costs maybe more, and it helps explain why Elon Musk says the base price will be just under 40 grand. And even though we're very impressed, that styling is still a bit wonky and is going to take some getting used to. So we wanna know what you think. Is this something that you'd like to see in your driveway? Well, GM thinks it could be a great competitor against Tesla's new Cybertruck and Ford's proposed electric F-Series. 
Both Tesla and Ford believe they can finish the race first against each other by getting an EV truck out first. And now GM wants a bid. The automaker is planning to build electric trucks at its Detroit Hamtramck plant, which should begin in the fall of 2021. After a strong demand for diesel-powered trucks, General Motors and Isuzu are now investing $175 million into a new engine plant in Brookville, Ohio. The 251,000-square-foot facility is set to make engine blocks and heads for the Duramax engine, which powers the 2020 Chevrolet Silverado and GMC Sierra heavy-duty pickup trucks. GM plans to have construction finished by the end of next year. Lexus took the wraps off its first ever all-electric vehicle, the UX300e, which is based on its UX compact crossover. It features a 54.3 kilowatt-hour lithium-ion battery pack, which provides a range of 400 kilometers, or just under 250 miles. But that's based on the old NEDC test. It goes on sale in China and Europe next year, and in 2021 in Japan. But interestingly, there's no mention of it coming to North America. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety introduced its side impact crash test in 2003, and the safety agency says it's time for an update. It says the current ratings no longer helps consumers distinguish between vehicles, and there's no further room for improvement in the test. Expected to launch next year, the updated side impact test will include a higher impact speed and a heavier, movable barrier, which represents a more modern vehicle. The IIHS says the data collected during the current test correlates closely with fatality risk, so the new test will likely use the same dummies and collect similar information as the current one. The Detroit automakers have the highest labor costs among automakers in the U.S., and GM's and Ford's new contracts with the UAW pushed wages up even higher. So is this going to put the Detroit automakers at a competitive disadvantage with foreign automakers building cars in the U.S.? Well, on AutoLine this week, Kristen Dicek, a labor expert with the Center for Automotive Research, shared her insight on the issue. You know, at General Motors, they're uh, looking to um, early retire or retire, incentivize people to leave um, 2,000 production workers and 60 skilled trades. That's a limit. Uh, the Ford tentative agreement has unlimited amount of production workers and 200 skilled trades. If they can move those people along and replace them with uh, new hires uh, that come in at the bottom, then that can help blend their average hourly labor costs down. And the per vehicle cost is what really matters, not the hourly. You, you buy labor to make a vehicle. Um, they've brought those costs down considerably since 2007. Um, you know, if there's, you know, two, three percent raises in the costs per year, it's not going to be that significant. Um, and part, you know, two things that uh, make up that gap with the internationals. One is there's very hefty profit-sharing checks that roll into the, the hourly wage. So $63 an hour at General Motors. Um, $5.81 of that is their profit-sharing check from last year. Mm. Um, so you bring that down, it's 58 and it's not so crazy when the internationals are at 50 um, The internationals are also a blend um, of different companies that some of them just started their operations, and they may have three, four, five-year grow-ins to their top wage, but the plant's only two years old, so nobody's got five years. They're not at the top of their scale yet either. 
Um, so the internationals are not going to stand still. And there's um, some flexibility in, the, in these agreements to bring, in, um, bring the temps to permanent status um, and to blend the average hourly labor cost down. Mm -hmm. You can watch that entire show right now on our website, autoline.tv, or you can find it on our YouTube channel. Autoline Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires. Your journey, our passion. Yesterday, we reported the finalists for North American Car, Truck, and Utility of the Year awards and asked you to guess who will win each category. While looking through the comments, we came across this one from Kit Gerhardt, who says, As far as the trucks, the Gladiator is certainly getting the attention, and it looks kind of cool. But the pricing is crazy. I don't know if the jury factors that in much, though. Kit goes on to ask, John McElroy? Are there specific guidelines you are supposed to use? And if so, is value one of them? Well, we talked with John, and he says there are no specific guidelines for jurors to follow. But value is one of the things he considers. He says he wants to make sure the vehicle is a good value for the segment it fits into. For example, a $60,000 mid-engine sports car could be considered a good thing, while a $60,000 mid-sized truck might not be. Hope that clears up your question, Kit. And while we're talking about the car, truck, and utility of the year finalists, let's talk about how all of you seem very confident in two of the winners. The Chevy Corvette and Jeep Gladiator are the clear favorites in your minds for car and truck of the year. People seem less interested in utility of the year, but those that did vote voted in favor of the Lincoln Aviator. I'm with all of you on the first two, the C8 and the Gladiator, but I think the Kia Telluride will win utility. And if you'd like an idea of what the actual jurors will think, we'll have a couple of Autoline this week's dedicated to the awards that will go up in early January before the winners are announced. Okay, time to go into the Wayback Files of your brain again. Autoline viewer Rob wrote us to say that his wife was going through some old Elvis Presley records and asked him what car was on the cover of A Date with Elvis that came out around 1960. Rob notes, Elvis is turned around sitting in the front seat of a convertible car. Rob did try and Google the answer, but it said the car is a 1973 Stutz Blackhawk 3, which is clearly not right. We tried to Google it ourselves as well, and that returned a BMW 507 as the answer. While BMW found Elvis's exact 507 that he owned and did a complete restoration and an awesome restoration blog, it is also clearly not the car. We eventually did find the car on the cover, and the V-shape in the steering wheel was a big factor in helping us find it but we'd like to give you all a chance to show us your automotive knowledge before we reveal the answer next week. Just leave your guess in the comments. But that's it for today. Thanks for watching and have a great weekend.
Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.